The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading for today from Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, and especially these words. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, that at my coming I could have received what was my own with interest. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For many years in the church, in lockstep with Scripture itself, the church has sought to categorize sins in different ways in order that people might be able to more quickly examine their life before God and their relationships with one another. It was God himself who actually set this example. For when he gave all of his commands in the Old Testament, not only did he give all the laws, but he also gave this summary of his laws that we call the Ten Commandments. Yes, in those Ten Commandments, he summarized what it was that was sinful before God. And the people of God ever since have used that summary as a quick way to be able to examine their own hearts before God. Sometime later in the church, the church sought to make even those Ten Commandments a little easier to remember. Since the commandments were originally given on those two stone tablets, the church has urged her members to think about it visually, to imagine that on one of those tablets was the first three commandments, which talked to us about a relationship with God, and that on the other tablet were the four through ten commandments, given to help us think about love for neighbor. In this way, the church sought to remind her members that the heart of the commandment was about loving God and loving neighbor. Oh, other distinctions have been made as well. When you look at all those Old Testament laws that were given, it's helpful to know that there are actually three different categories of law given in the Old Testament. There was the moral law, summarized in the Ten Commandments, that's true for all ages and all times. There were the civil laws that were given specifically to the people living in the nation of Israel during those times they inhabited the Promised Land. Then there was the ceremonial law, all sorts of specific provisions of the law given to help people understand the idea of being clean before God in order that they might participate in worship and life with him. An article I read this week said you really could categorize all three sins that we commit into three different areas. One, sometimes we commit a sin because we're ignorant of the law. We don't know that it's wrong. Others, at times, we commit sins due to the weakness of our flesh. We know that something is wrong, and yet we still stumble into that same sin. And lastly, sometimes we sin out of an outright rebellion against God. Here's my point. Christians love to come up with categories of sin. But they do it for a good reason, in order that again we might understand what sin is and therefore repent of them and find life. Maybe some of the distinctions I've mentioned so far you'd already heard of. 
and others you've never heard of. But there's one more distinction that the church has made that I'm pretty sure you were at least told of at some point in your life, but you might not remember the specific terms that were used. The church throughout its history has talked about the difference between sins of commission and sins of omission. And today we want to focus in on that term, sins of omission. The reason for this focus today is our gospel reading, the parable of the talents found there. As you remember, and as you just heard, Jesus tells us that parable about that master who gives to different servants different talents, leaves, and then comes back later to see what each has done with what he has given them. The servant who received five talents earns five more and is commended for his work. The servant that was given two talents has earned two more and is likewise commended for his work. But the one who received only one talent has earned nothing, for he has buried that talent into the ground. He is rebuked as a foolish and wicked servant. I think when you and I think about sin most times, we tend to think first and foremost about the things that we are not to do. We get used to thinking that all the commandments are essentially thou shalt not statements. Even though, even in the Ten Commandments themselves, there are exceptions to that phrase. I mean, after all, we are told, thou shalt not steal, or thou shalt not commit adultery, but we're also told to remember the Sabbath day, or to honor our father and mother. The Catechism and its meanings helps us even more in this regard. For instance, when the Catechism tells us that the Eighth Commandment tells us to not bear false witness against our neighbor, that not only are we required to not say false things, but instead, it says we should also defend our neighbor, speak well of him, and put the kindest construction on all things. Yes, we are told time and time again that being faithful to God is not just a matter of refraining from doing the things that God has forbidden us to do. It is also about doing the things he has told us to do. Yes, we forget that God has told us many things that he would have us go about doing. And that takes us back to this phrase, sins of omission. Sins of commission in the church are those things which we do that we ought not do. Sins of omission, on the other hand, are things that we ought to do but we do not do. Yes, they are the things that are commanded by God and yet often omitted in our life. Our parable today quite clearly urges us towards action over inaction. Remember, the only servant who is corrected and eventually sent away is the one who took his one talent and buried it in the ground doing nothing with it. For God admits in this parable that he likes to reap where he has not sown. In other words, he likes to be able to reap where his servants 
have sown his word. And so the worst thing we can do with our time or talent or treasures that God has given to us is to simply do nothing at all with them. And yet, sometimes we get tricked into thinking that doing nothing is the easiest way to be faithful to God. We too at times think that God is a hard man, just as that servant said. And so we're afraid to try things that we think we might end up failing at. And so maybe we don't share the gospel with our friends or our family members because we're afraid that we will get rejected or that we will meet tough questions. We don't take an active role in raising our own children in the faith because we're afraid that maybe we don't know enough to do so. We don't love our literal neighbor, maybe next door or two doors down, who is obviously in a time of need because we just don't know how they will receive it. Yes, many times we think the easiest and safest thing to do is just to sit back and try to make sure that we don't do the things that God has forbidden. We think the safest thing is just to do nothing. But God tells us through this parable today that he takes inaction very seriously. And he holds us accountable for it. We think that the best way is to do nothing sinful. God tells us that often doing nothing is in itself sinful. So what are the things that God has told you to do that you're not doing? What are your sins of omission? What are the ways in which doing nothing has left you standing sinful before God? Are you remembering the Sabbath day each week? Or has it become a habit to gather together only here and there with the people of God? Are you spending time with your family and as an individual meditating on the Word of God during the week? Are you declaring the wondrous works of God that he has done in your life and in the world in general through Jesus to those who you have been called to live around? Husbands, do you think it's enough just to be faithful to your wives? Well, the scriptures say that you are to love your wife each day as Christ loves the church. Children, do you think you're one of the better kids in town? Because you don't generally do something your parents have just told you not to do. Well, remember that God tells you that at every point and every day you are to honor and respect, love and cherish your parents. Citizens, think as long as you stay out of trouble with the law that you have done everything you need to do. Remember, God says that you are to value government as a servant of God for your own good. You see, we all like trying to bring God's commands somehow down to a manageable number of things that we are not to do. And why do we play this game? Well, because time and time again we buy into the lie that somehow God is going to be pleased with us if we do a good enough job of keeping that small manageable list. Well, God, today through this parable gets rid of that idea out of our mind altogether. 
For he reminds us that he takes seriously not only those things we do that we ought not do, but that he takes seriously the things that we ought to do that we do not do. Yes, he takes all of those things dreadfully serious. And where does that leave us? Well, it should leave us shaken. In fact, if you don't hear those words and realize you need a Savior, well, then your heart is quite hardened indeed. No, we will never get God pleased with us through what we have done. And that's why God has sent Jesus. He is the reason God is pleased with us, even though we have not done the things we should and we have done things that we should not. Yes, today if you realize that you have sinned in both ways, by doing things you should not and by not doing things you should, repent and live. Don't continue just to bury those talents in the ground for another day. For if you do, that last day will be quite dreadful indeed. So instead, turn to Jesus and live. For he will send you forth from this very place today, forgiven of all of your sins, and filled with that spirit that frees you to use the talents he has given you without fear of judgment. Christ's body and blood is here today to forgive you and to free you for life. And because the Spirit of God does both things, both forgives you and frees you, well, on that last day, surprisingly, you will be able to put forth before God that the talents that he has left you with, you have made more with. Oh, not by your own doing alone, but by the Spirit who works within you. And therefore, on that day, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. No, your evil will not be mentioned that day, for indeed it has found its end at the cross. And the things that you have done by God's grace, even though you don't deserve a word of commendation or praise for them, they'll be praised anyways, because that's just what the Father loves to do. Yes, sins of commission and sins of omission, they all find their end at the cross. They are left behind, just like Jesus' empty tomb, whenever we come to dwell on his grace and forgiveness. Yes, indeed, our sin is great. Our sin is so great that we should be shaken if it were not that we knew about Jesus. Thanks be to God that we do know that through Jesus our sins are forgiven and our life is assured with him. And that because of that one day he will say to us, enter into the joy of my master. And we will say, Alleluia and Amen.